Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you may be. This is Snapshots in Hockey History. Welcome to another episode of Snapshots in Hockey History, where we relive the hockey highlight reel. My name is Brett Small. As always, just a friendly reminder, Snapshots in Hockey History is a listener-supported podcast brought to you free of charge every single Monday and Thursday at 8 a.m. I will never ask you for a dollar out of your pocket for this podcast. But if you want to do something nice, you want to help us out, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Tell a friend, share on social media. Speaking of social media, don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Snapshots in Hockey History and on Twitter at Snapshots in. Great episode last week. Want to thank Darren McCarty again for coming on. Uh, Definitely our most downloaded episode yet. And uh, it's no surprise to me. He's such a fan favorite. And how can he not be? I mean, his personality is great. And I think Red Wings fans and players and fans throughout the NHL respect him for what he's done, how he came back. He cleaned his life up. And now, of course, he's out there. He's he's preaching his message. I guess marijuana's really helped him. It did a lot for him. So uh, congrats to him. Don't forget to check out his podcast, Grind Time with Darren McCarty, which is available on iTunes and uh, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This week is a first for the podcast. We actually have our first multi-guest episode this week, and I'm pretty excited about it. It's probably one of the best one-two punches in hockey right now. And I did something a little bit different on this episode, and I'm going to do something next week that's a little bit different as well. Typically, we do a snapshot in a player's career, just one moment in time. But these two players that are on today were so interesting, I felt like we had to cover their entire story. And that's what we did. We really went in-depth on their background, because I don't think it's been talked about a lot. So... Why don't we go ahead and jump on the bench and air this week's epi and let two of the best teach us about hockey fundies. Ole Postinen and Jacob Ardown, I'm so excited to have you guys. And as I just mentioned, Snapshots in Hockey History focuses on hockey history. Every episode, we spend one season or a playoff run with a player and we kind of relive that. And And I wanted to do that with both of you, but unfortunately... I couldn't track down a lot of information about your playing careers. You know, I, I couldn't find anything on the Bangladesh uh, Pro League, and, and I couldn't find any newspapers in the Virgin Island. As Oli would say, though, I really want to open the pickle jar onto you guys. We know you both played pro, but can you guys talk a little bit before we get to that about your minor hockey experiences? Uh, well, I played minor hockey in Ontario. It's okay. Oli talking, by the way, um, in Ontario. And then, you know, I was scouted at a pretty young age. Um, so... It was either play minor hockey in Canada or move to Bangladesh, so I moved to Bangladesh. Wow, that must have been, I mean, how old were you? That that had to be a tough move. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was a tough move. I think I was like anywhere between 7 or 10. I'm not really sure because I was pretty young. Move, But I think it was the right move. I mean, you really were a prodigy then. You must have been unbelievable. Yeah, I was like. I was always in the newspaper. Just I was a complete package player. And what about you, Oli? Where did you play your minor hockey at? Uh, so I played in Airdrie, Alberta, just north of Calgary. So I was born and raised there. Uh, it's a beautiful place. And so yeah, I played there for, for a few years. I uh, learned a lot, taught a lot of people, a lot of different things. And then I was scouted uh, not as early as Oli was, um, but I was scouted uh, around 13 and taken out to the Virgin Islands Elite League. Oh where I toured up with the coconut cutters for seven years. And there's uh, there's not a lot of articles about me. I'm more of like a family man. You know, I just do what it takes. Uh, a real locker room blue guy. So 
I wasn't looking for the spotlight. Oh, I have a lot of respect for players like you. You guys, you know your role, and, and you don't really get into this stuff off the ice. I have a lot of respect for players like that. I know that you guys grew up, you played your minor hockey. What teams did you follow as kids? Or, or was the NHL even on your radar, considering where you guys ended up playing? Uh, yeah, we. Uh, I watched hockey. I don't know about you. I think he's like a soccer guy. But uh, my favorite team growing up was... I watched hockey. We know that. Toronto. Oh, so you're a big Toronto Maple Leafs guy. Yeah, I grew up in Toronto. I was actually born in the same hospital that Connor McDavid was. So that's why like, my skill is like, almost second to none, because grew up in the same place oh my god so, i mean yeah i can't even imagine yeah i i mean the doctor that delivered you guys has anybody been able to track this guy down he must be a freak probably not because he probably only delivered two kids <sighs> and, and, and just me and connor wow wow we hear a lot about you guys and you guys have done very well for yourselves but has the story been told with how you guys actually got hooked up together and how you guys met um yeah we met uh we we're playing a Bangor dash virgin island game and uh, it was the first time ever we did this, uh, like, stadium series almost. And, uh, I mean, we both hit the ice, and we obviously stick out a lot more than everybody else does. And we decided it was uh, time to settle the score, like, who's the better player. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got into 72 fights that game. Oh, my God! And, um, yeah, it was it was a battle. It was just an absolute mess, but... Uh, we wound up every every fight ended in tie. Uh, we went shot for shot, um, and at the end of it, we were both just uh, bleeding, broken noses here and there. And uh, we just decided, like, hey, like, obviously we're the best. Let's uh, let's work together and be the best at everything. And uh, from there, it was the fun piece just evolved and happened. Now, was this still the era where guys were taking hacksaws to the helmets? I mean, were you guys doing that to one another where you were punching the helmet after a hacksaw, or, or were these clean, just bare-knuckle fights? Uh, well, kind of started. I was in the corner. Like, our first fight started, it was in Warmies, and uh, Jacob was attempting to stick handle and lost the puck over the line, so I obviously slapped hard the puck back at his goalie. Then he just tomahawked me in the top of the head and knocked oh, my, my bucket off, and then we just started going from there. Wow. I mean, I can't even imagine. Yeah, he's a dirty player. Uh, he sounds like it. He, he sounds like it. And let's talk about the Bangladesh League first. I, I know it's east of India. Can you tell me about what the travel was like? I mean, hockey in India. And India is such a huge country. What was that like? Uh, well, it was pretty tough, obviously. Uh, like you said, a lot of travel. But I didn't make a lot of the games because I was usually a healthy scratch. But uh, when I did, you know, I had my own private private plane so it was it was pretty quick for me but the other guys weren't very good so they had a bus so this was after guys were flying commercial you had your own pj at this point and were pretty so so it, the travel doesn't sound terrible then it's not like it it was in the nhl in the early 90s then no nah, not nah, for superstars like us it was it was pretty luxurious i knew you guys were good i i just didn't realize you were that good uh, is there a league in the north america that maybe you'd compare the bangladesh league to uh no no i mean the shit the shells, uh, no, the, the shells the closest thing, but still needs a lot of work. Because I just was curious yeah. if maybe the SPHL or the old United League kind of rivaled it, but it sounds like the Bangladesh League's pretty good. Yeah, it's top of the line. Like, if you put players t- today in the game, like you put Connor and Crosby and those, those guys in the Bangladesh League, they'd just be your, you, you know, your standard second, third line players. And is that where you picked up those awesome vintage Canucks mitts? Was that over there, or did you get those when you were younger? 
Uh, I got those uh, when I was younger. I actually wasn't allowed to keep all my gear from Bangladesh. So. Why is that? They, they sell it afterwards like a lot of the NHL teams do? Uh, I think it's in a museum, but I could be wrong. Man, I live in Washington, D.C. And, you know, it's funny you mention this because the Smithsonian did something with the Bangladesh Pro League not too long ago. I wonder if that was on display there. It very well could be. I haven't been back in a while, so I'm I'm not sure what's going on. I know, Oli, you set some records while you were over there, and they're still standing, and you, you talk about not being there in a long time. Was this around the era where you sneezed and blew out your knee? Uh, oh, I think Jacob told that story. It's not even true. Um, I didn't sneeze and blow out my knee. It was triple overtime. I was taking it hard to the net, and I, I caught an edge on the goal line, and then my both my knees hit the post. Yeah, why would Jacob make yeah, that he, up? I don't know why Jacob would do that, but... I mean, Jacob, do you have any response Jacob, to that? Uh, it was funny. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was funny because he, one, he wasn't taking the puck to the net. He was literally coasting back when the other team was going in on the rush. He was coasting back, just got to the other team's blue line, and he literally the loudest, the most disgusting sneeze I've ever heard. <laughs> and he just buckled at the knees and went down like a key. It kind of reminds me, you guys remember that bad knee injury with the Detroit Red Wing when he went into the boards and you just, you could feel it in the arena where it cracked. I think it was, oh, I can't remember. I know Pat Peak had it happen to him in the early 90s, but um, yeah, I, I didn't realize that. But but Jacob, you know, since you're chatting now, let's talk a little bit about the Virgin Island Pro League. What was that like? Yeah, the, the Virgin Islands is, uh, it's an extremely elite league um, and you have to be a really elite player to to go there because the ice is definitely a lot softer anywhere else. So you got to be able to basically stick handle through a swamp. So it makes it tough. You're kind of like doing a breaststroke as you're skating down because sometimes the puddles get pretty big in the corners. Um, but my skill, like, one, it was so much more developed than it, like anyone else at the time going in there just got increasingly better the more that I played out there. And I set and broke all the records that they, they had over there, and I'll probably be holding the records for the rest of, rest of the league's history for sure. Oh, that's that's incredible. You spent seven years there, as you said, and you know you talked about the skill that you you had. If you had to compare yourself to maybe somebody that was in the National Hockey League, or as, or as you say, the show, I kind of picture you almost like a Tom Wilson, where you're very well-rounded and very physical. Is that an accurate statement? That's pretty close. Um, I guess if you're going for individual players, definitely like a Tom Wilson. I think, like, if I was, like, I would be, like, if Crosby, Ovechkin, and Nate Thompson had a baby, not like, that would be me. Only? It's not? No. His style is, like, he claims he's, like, a, like this all-star D-man, but never hits the net on a shot. He can't take a one-timer. He has no hands at all. If I were to like mix players up. We'll go Tom Wilson because he's dirty. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anyone else because nobody's that bad. Man, so, that that sounds harsh. That's that's harsh. Knows it's true. Oh, he's no. just trying to chirp and he's not good at it. Talking of chirping, you guys have become unbelievable instructors. When I look at some of the best duos in hockey right now, you guys are right up there. And and really, you've done a lot with helping work as consultants for players. Other than the Oats Sports Group with Adam Oates and Teddy Purcell, there's really nobody who is working with players like you guys are. And I just wanted to ask you, who are some of the players you've gotten to work with and, and kind of help mold their game? Uh, well, Johnny Goudreau, one of our uh, big clients, he is a repeat uh, fundy guy. You know, we told him last year 
Um, he was going to get 85 points or 86 points, and he managed to get 85. I mean, we were a little bit disappointed. He was one off from his mark, but he's one of the guys we've really helped out. Uh, Jack Eichel, we got him his $80 million contract. Uh, Braden Holby uh, won the Stanley Cup. You're welcome, Braden. Uh, took Flower right to the final as well. So, I mean, the list just goes on and on. Like Connor McDavid winning the uh, the Rocket again. Coincidence? I don't think so. so no, definitely not. It's pretty extensive of players. And I know that you guys can't specifically go into how you help each player. I, I understand that. And I, I was able to pick up some stuff. I know you helped Matt Dumble learn how to hold a stick properly. As, and you mentioned the flower, how to lay business with a cross check. But what player do you think benefited the most from your advice? I know you can't really share what you've given them. Because, I, I mean, that's how you make a living. I wouldn't expect that. I'd say um, definitely... Goudreau's probably he's benefited the most, and that just comes down to his dedication to the fundy because he has come back over and over again. But then you got players like Jukarask, um, like, like he knew that he was getting older in the league, so he's not going to be around too much longer. So he reached out to us and he's like, "Hey, what can I do to just get a few extra contracts, you know?" And and so like we helped him out, and he should get a few extra years in the league and. Um, if he wants to just keep going and like set a record for all the goalie in the league, like he'll come back again. And so there's all, all lots of examples out there. You know, it just it boggles my mind because I look at the skill and the fundies that you guys share, and it's incredible. But you also do a lot off the ice. Where does that come from? Uh, I mean, well, we're, we're just natural beauties. So sorry, Jacob just threw something at me. We're just natural athletes. On and off the ice, so. I mean, you guys are definitely, uh, definitely beauties, and it, it doesn't surprise me to see that you've helped so many players and they've benefited from from you. I know one of the big skills you work on with every player is their skating. You actually have them practice your skating on concrete. How does that help hockey players? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's super good for your stride, um, and you can just really dig in, so you get that resistance. I mean, it's so easy to skate on ice. By going onto the concrete, you have all that resistance under your feet, so you have to overcome so much. And that's why I like they're basically like tree trunks, and then nobody else, like everyone else, is just like weight cutters, like little straws coming out of like giant boxes, you know. So um, if they want to like strengthen their skating and like progress to the next level, you gotta get it on the concrete and like really dig in and feel that friction underneath you. Oli, what do you do? Do yeah. you do anything different than Jacob to emphasize the skating amongst the players you work with? Uh, yeah, um, I'm more of a skilled guy. Uh, Jacob's more of a, like, a grind, like a grinder. You know, I'm all all around sniper, playmaker, torturer. So I like to work on finesse with the players, uh, like the grape chally, Connor. Um, I actually shot all the grapes off first to just kind of give them an example of what's going on. So, yeah, I just like to teach the players finesse and like a silkier side of their game. You talk about silky and you talk about celebrations and the NHL has not always done the best job of letting personality shine through, including encouraging celebrations and, and chirpings. And I personally love the punt celly as well as the javelin celly. Has anybody kind of not been receptive to your advice, like the celebrations or the chirping? And, and how do you deal with that? You know, there's been a couple guys that, like, they're not, they don't want to be, like, they don't want to feel it, mm-hmm. but it's not because they don't enjoy it and they don't agree. It's because they're intimidated by us mm-hmm. and they're scared of us and they know that we can take their job at any minute. So, and we don't blame them. I mean, we're like, 
they don't know that we're super humble before they know us. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the tellies and the chirps, they got to like really increase a lot because tellying is huge and they don't, they don't know that they're just doing those standard like fist pumps and that kind of stuff. And it's boring. Everyone's seen it. And you got to try to stand out the crowd and, and get noticed. And that's just what we're trying to help out with. But they're not super receptive right now just because they're so intimidated by us. Yeah, I, I really feel like since Ty Domi rode the stick in the early 90s, you really don't see those those celebrations anymore. And we had Darren McCarty on last week, and we, we talked about celebrations, and, and some people use the word showboating. And I'm with you guys. I, I feel like there's a place for it in the game, and it needs to be added back. I think you guys are doing that. So my uh, kudos to you guys for that, for, for sure. Every team has the same warm-up routine. No one checks the glass. Do you want to see more changes to the game? Like, what would you recommend maybe some different stuff? Is there anything you could do to make things more exciting for the game? Well, obviously, like you just said, Sellies. I think those need to come back after every goal, after every assist, every point. Everyone on the ice is going to be selling. I think that would really ramp it up. Yeah, like you said, glass checks and warmies. Um, Jacob, what do you think? Well, uh, I'm a big fan of, like, how... Like, me and Oli started, like, our fight. Um, you know, sometimes, like, Fox just tough down the line, that's okay, but you still got to stick up for your goalies because you're the only one uh, shooting on them in Warmy. So, even if it's just a bubble pot, like, you should cross center and uh, send them some sucky soup and, you know, touch the scrap there because, like, they can't just come over and take liberties on your side of the ice like that. That's not, that's not right. So, the more Warmy fight, you know, like, you're not all buddies, like, we got it. Probably play together, but you're there wearing different jerseys, so you should be ready to fight at any time, and it's got to start up. Well, I, I feel like the warm-ups, players aren't taking advantage of that. You talked about guys checking into the glass, etc. Do you just watch some of these players, especially the ones you don't work with, and say, guys, you're not taking advantage of the ice time you have? Yeah, it's really hard to watch sometimes. You know, I'm me personally, I'm not really a warmy kind of guy. Because, you know, I don't believe in it because, you know, as a superstar, I, you know, I don't want to get hurt and warm up. So, you know, I just get out there. I do my quick lap as fast as I can, fire a couple shots on net, and then I like to get off. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I don't want to get hurt. I was just going to say, I mean, because I was, like, I'll take the warmies, but because I'm a scrapper. Mm-hmm. So, you take the full warmies, you see who's going to be out there, you see what your matchup is. So, you really got to, like, take advantage of the IPF because it gives you, like, you're scouting out the other team, like, who are you going to crush when their head's down? Who are you going to run down these in the corner? Who are you going to cross-check in the neck? And then who are you going to drop the, the finger pillows with and get a few full deposits of the back? So they got to start taking it seriously if they want to go any further. We've talked to Jim McKenzie before, and Jim would talk about during warm-ups, just like what you did, kind of keeping an eye on people and, and, and checking things out. And we also talked to Darcy Hordacek, and he told us kind of the opposite about it. He talked about the nerves that he would go through during warm-ups. For you, is there, you know, I don't want to ask you if you're nervous before a fight, because I'm sure you are, but I really don't know any other way to say this. As a scrapper, how do you prepare for a fight? I mean, just uh, preparing for a fight, I mean, I don't get nervous, because I know I'm probably going to win. Oh, and even wow. if I lose, I'm going to tell you harder, like I won. Like, yeah, I don't get nervous. I just, I'm ready to go anybody at any time. Um, and that just puts the focus on me because everyone knows that I'm ready to go. So everyone's watching me. Everyone wants to do the next move. And 
I'm not there. You got the scales looking at you. I was not there. You got the scales saying your name. So it's just a smart move. And if you're nervous, maybe you back down. Maybe maybe uh, you don't get that shift. So if you play without nerves and you just go for it, then you're going to get on the ice. You're going to get in all the scraps and you just go for it. Oli, I know you're more of a skilled player, but you're not shy to scrapping. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, no, just like Jacob, I don't get nervous, but I don't fight much, you know, because my hands are, you know, worth a lot of money because mm-hmm. of how good I am. So, but even if, you know, if I just uh, I like something get Sorry, it. just interrupt you, Oli. Sorry. Um, you've lost all 64 of your fights. Well, he lost all 64. Well, yeah, I, I guess on paper I've lost all 64, but... Like the great Eric Lindros says, you got to lose a few to win some. Very true. And I didn't lose all because I got into a fight with a trainer, and I, you know, I won that fight. So very, very fair. Very, very fair. Even when you do lose, it's tough to go out there. My hats off to you guys for for giving it your best. And as we kind of wrap things up, I know you two are busy. You've got players that you've got to work with all over the world. We're recording this right around the trade deadline, and there's been a ton of moves today. I'd love to hear what you think of all of them. But before we do that. What advice would you have for guys like Wayne Simmons, Matt Duchesne? What advice would you give them on how to deal with being traded? Uh, we did a video. I don't know if, if you guys have seen it with Jordan Everly. Mm-hmm. It's called Getting Traded. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the key is when you come into a brand new locker room, you know you want to own the room. So you know you want to you want to get your sticks up there quick. You want to knock everyone else down. Make your stick the most important one on the wall. Um, even if you're the new guy in the room, you want to just start tossing out nicknames. You want to give everyone on the team a nickname, uh, right, right away. So you establish, you know, you're the top player. Uh, so that's kind of the advice I give to the boys. Jacob. Yeah, absolutely. You just want to, you're not going in asking respect or trying to earn it. You just got to go in and you got to demand the respect and you got to take it out of that room. So if you go in and you just make sure everyone knows you pick your solid, someone's already sitting there, you're moving them. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You get one of the rock piles, throw all the gear out of the way. You're taking that spot. So people know that you're not messing around. Mm-hmm. Well, as I said, we're going to kind of wrap this up. But one last question before we do. And I know, in, in addition to working with individuals, you guys work with a lot of teams, including you've worked with the Kings, the Stars, the Coyotes, so many. Is there a team that you're longing to work with, or a certain player that you say, "Man, we really could help that guy improve his game"? Well. I mean, we're kind of looking at the Florida Panthers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking to give those guys, you know, a few point winners. Uh, they're looking pretty scarce in the stands there. So, you know, we're looking to get a hold of them, see if maybe we can do something to bring a couple more fans down to the game. And plus it's warm there, so that's mm. a big bonus. Yeah, the uh, the guys up north, you guys love traveling to Florida. Jacob, any thoughts? Anybody you'd like to work with? Yeah, I mean, definitely Florida, like always said, we've been eyeing that up. Uh, again, it's like pretty cold in Minnesota and Calgary where we are the most. So a little bit of sunshine wouldn't be too bad. And, uh, no, Arizona, I mean, we worked with Arizona for for a little bit there, but I think they need a few more, especially after the trades and whatnot. Mm. Uh, Shane Brown retiring, all that stuff. They've had, like, they've been shaken up. And I think uh, it'd be nice to get our roots back in there and uh, calm down the, the team and get them back to the point. But, I mean, ideally, we're working with everybody in the league. I'd like to see uh, Patrick Kane, you know, Patty Mayonnaise, mm-hmm. uh, step in for one. And, and uh, I bet if he works with us, that he'll start breaking Gretzky's record. Thanks. Also, we're going to think about getting Gretzky back in the game, boys. W- wait a second. I'm sorry. Did you just say you're thinking about getting Wayne Gretzky back in the game? 
yeah, you know, we we want Wainer to give us a call. Um, you know, we feel like we have the talent and the skill that we can get him back in the game for another season or two. Oh, this is unbelievable. Have you spoken with, with Eddie Mio, who's, a, I think, a close friend of his or his agent? I mean, this is incredible. I can't believe this is being released on Snapshots in Hockey History. I'm, I'm speechless. Yeah. I, wow, is there we any... We haven't talked to anybody yet. We've called him a few times, but he hasn't answered. Oh, well, I I will definitely work with my connections because I, I think he would you would work wonders. Are there any other players that you're thinking about having come back in the game? I mean, Lanny McDonald, obviously, he just got a brand new titanium knee tossed in. Great mustache. So he's yeah. pretty much ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that lift sweater, it's got to make a comeback. And, you know, Calgary didn't do a whole lot with this deadline coming up. I think we scooped one guy that nobody's heard of. Um, so if we put Lanny back into the game, like that's that that presence needs to go deep. So I think Ryan McDonald will be super to to get back into and that be get back in the game, you know. Well, you guys have heard it here first. Ole Jacob, they've announced it. Wayne Gretzky, Lanny McDonald possibly coming back to the NHL with the help of the boys from on the bench. And, and guys, uh, before I end every show, I let every guest kind of have an open forum and see if there's anything they want to say, any funny road stories they want to tell. Take it away, guys. The microphone is yours. Uh, well, we got, a, we, we got a lot of good road stories, but obviously, you know, they're not really meant for, for, for radio. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. we, I got a pretty good, good, good one about Jacob here. Uh, we were in Chicago one day. And uh, we were out at the mall. We were just looking to get a few new twigs. And uh, so Jacob had a 50 30 one of the best twigs out there. We really couldn't test the stick out because there was no shoot- shooting rooms. So Jacob decided to go out in the uh, in the hallway there, or I guess the lobby, I guess it's called. And he just started re- he just started hacking everyone. Like oh, no. he hit an old granny from from behind it, into the wall. And I was trying to control him, but he just wouldn't listen. But he was testing the stick, which I don't blame him, but. You know, a lot of people got hurt at the mall, but I mean, oh, my. but I got a good, I got a fresh twig, and it was a, it was a perfect twig. That thing, it was sturdy, had good flex. So, I mean, I had to test it. It was a good twig. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, people got hurt, but the most important thing to focus on is I got a new twig. And I guess kids listening to the podcast remember that. What doesn't matter who gets hurt, it just matters if you get a good twig. Well, guys, tell you what. I know you've got a great merchandise line. There's tons of great stuff available on your website. What's the website address? Where can people see your free fundies and epis that you release so that they can improve their game? Can, can you share all that information? Yeah, you can uh, You can check it out on YouTube at uh, On The Bench. Um, the merch is on www.onthebench.life. That's where you can get all your greasy merch. Um, and yeah, Instagram is also just on the, on the bench. Awesome. Just on the bench, boys. That's all you need to know. Okay, guys, it's April 1st. I wanted to do something funny. I wanted to do something a little bit different. So I thought, why not? Let's have Ole and Jacob come on, discuss their backstories a little bit. We had a lot of fun doing this. I hope everybody enjoyed it. On a side note, these guys on the air told some great stories. But off the air, I have to tell you, two of the most humble guys I've ever spoken to in my life. Just incredibly nice, incredibly grateful to be on the show. And I really enjoyed chatting with them. So hope everyone got a kick out of it. Hope it you know started off your week right. I did mention in the intro, we're going to do something a little bit different next week. And we are. We're going to have our first non-NHL guest. I think it's going to be a really good guy. This guy was around junior hockey. He's been in the NHL, 
but we cover his entire career. We didn't do just one season for this guy, but I think everybody will enjoy that. As far as Thursday goes, not sure what we're going to do for that yet. I might air a episode that consists of clips that I haven't aired before. Might just come on here and talk a little bit about hockey. I'm not sure. The playoffs are around the corner. Might do an episode where we have fans write in and talk about their favorite playoff moments. Not really sure how that's all going to play out yet. But check out Facebook and Twitter. Facebook at Snapshots in Hockey History and on Twitter at Snapshots in. Probably going to go ahead and post something the next day or so kind of with what we're going to do with that episode on Thursday. In the meantime, we'll catch you then on Thursday at 8 a.m. Hope you enjoyed this epi. We'll talk to you soon. Happy April Fool's Day.